It's Philosophy Talk. In order to have a democracy, you have to have reporters. You have to have independent thinking reporters. Can the press simultaneously serve democracy and its corporate masters? We used to be public servants. Our job was on the ground asking questions about what's going on in a community. Does modern media discourage real journalism? We're swimming in information. It's not information we need. It's the wise gumshoe reporters that know how to sift all this information into what's important. What role should the press play in a thriving democracy? If they want to be in journalism, they have to be journalists. They have to to do their jobs. Our guest is former TV news anchor Leslie Griffith. Too stupid to be on TV ought to be a (laughs) standard. Recorded in front of a live audience at the Marsh Theater in Berkeley, California. Democracy and the Press, coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we're recording the program in front of a live audience in Berkeley, California at the Marsh Theater, the Bay Area's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford across the Bay. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, democracy and the press. That's right. Our topic today is democracy (laughs) and the press. I guess the founding fathers really thought that the freedom of the press was pretty special, pretty important, because they mentioned it right there in the First Amendment. There are all these things in the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance. I mean, there's lots of things in that amendment, but the press isn't mentioned explicitly. Academics aren't mentioned explicitly. And and so that means it's pretty important. Well, you know, the founding fathers had a lot of ideas. It was a long time ago. I mean, things might have been very different. Suppose they smoked pot then. What would we find in the Constitution then? It's nice to think about. But not all their ideas were so good. Consider the next amendment, the right to bear arms. That hasn't turned out so well, in my humble opinion. And since we're supposed to question everything, I'll admit I have doubts about freedom of the press, too. I think if they came back and looked at those two amendments in the light of the 21st century, they would have some second thoughts. Well, John, I mean, I know we're supposed to question everything, But freedom of speech and of the press? It seems crazy for a philosopher and an academic to question those things. Well, I didn't say I had doubts about freedom of speech, but freedom of the press is a bit different. The press has evolved into not just Ben Franklin, who went out and got stories and then printed them on his own press, but big corporations, the institution of corporate journalism, newspapers, magazines, radio, TV, And now the corporations are creeping into the blogosphere. It's a big business. It's controlled not by individuals seeking the truth, but big corporations who are more interested in profits. Freedom of speech means Glenn Beck can stand on a Berkeley street corner and say whatever he wants. Freedom of the press now means Rupert Murdoch can hire him and, and, and to spout nonsense to millions of people. 
I'm not convinced there shouldn't be some regulation somewhere. Well, some regulation somewhere. You know, but think about this. I mean, 50 <coughs> years after the founding fathers made their point, John Stuart Mill put forth a pretty convincing philosophical justification for free press. He said that in the great arena of public debate, freedom favored truth. But it was, and truth was likely to be the first casualty of government control. Truth has the best chance of prevailing when free speech in general, and the press in particular, is unfettered. Don't you, don't you believe Mills does? Well, he has a nice point and a, and a pretty picture, but, but you know, uh, is truth going to prevail when, when, when all the money of corporate America is, is lined up against it? I mean, I just, we have regulations about dentists, we have regulations about doctors, we even have regulations about lawyers. Is it crazy to suppose that there can be some system of licensing journalists so that at least the ones with access to the public airwaves or, or, or the ones that, that have, have huge cable broadcasting operations behind them have some minimal accreditation, some education, some oath to tell the truth? I mean, the government rates stakes. Why can't they rate journalists? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I'd give John Stewart and Rachel Maddow and, and Edward R. Murrow, the sainted Edward R. Murrow, and David Brooks, who's a legend in his own mind, <laughs> prime ratings, maybe. Uh, Glenn Beck, something the equivalent of fit for dogs. Uh, <laughs> Keith Olbermann, maybe a new category, nourishing but pompous. Well, John, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> So sort of prime rib of journalism kind of thing. Over yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, it's hard not to be sympathetic with your underlying feelings. I mean, I, I share your emotions, but your proposal, your concrete <coughs> proposal seems, well, to put it mildly, uh, ridiculous, without merit. I mean, because think about it this way. So you want to draw, you distinguish between freedom of the press and free speech, as if you could draw a line between the press, freedom of the press and free speech. But with, when anyone with a computer can start a blog or even an online newspaper, how could you draw such a line, and, and you would be the first to squeal. You'd squeal like an angry pig if a right-wing administration gave Glenn Beck a prime rib rating, wouldn't you? You know, you have a very irritating habit of being right, Ken, and, and uh, you're no doubt right as usual. But maybe there's some more reasonable proposals. First, let's agree that corporations shouldn't have freedom of speech. You must agree with Obama that the Supreme Court was out of their mind on that one. Second, why not extend that to freedom of the press? Corporations can't be presses. They aren't presses. They don't own presses. And, and how about when the freedom of the press conflicts with other rights, like the freedom to a fair trial? I mean, why, sh why should every interesting criminal be tried on Nancy Grace before they even have a, a chance to their own trial? And, and, and do we have to have the endless parading of the private lives of people on the press? Couldn't, there, couldn't, there, couldn't the journalistic profession do a better job of enforcing okay. their own standards for crying out loud? Well, John, okay, you're on quite a soapbox here. We need, I need some help to convince you that you're wrong about some of these issues and that we've got a guest that will help us do that. That's Leslie Griffin. And we want our live audience here at the Marsh to join in, speak up, agree with me. <laughs> But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, gets a second opinion from another media observer. She files this report. In the San Francisco Bay Area, lots of new media experiments have cropped up in response to the crisis in traditional media. I work for one of those startups, The Bay Citizen, and The Bay Citizen is a partner of the San Francisco Public Press. Well, originally it was a group of journalists sitting around a table over dinner talking about uh, the crisis in journalism, this is about two years ago, 
looking at the consistent rounds of layoffs at newspapers. That's Public Press Executive Director Michael Stoll. There was an increasing uh, feeling among this uh, group of journalists that we had to do something, that we had to take control ourselves and create something new and perhaps something better. They started by creating an online news site. And then they did something pretty much unheard of these days. Extra! Extra! We all about it! They launched a newspaper. Like a physical paper that you can buy on the street and hold in your hand. The first issue contains 28 pages of original local reporting. It includes a crossword puzzle and a comics page. What it doesn't contain, Stoll says, is ads. There are 50 million newspapers sold every day. And, and that sustains a portion of the newspaper business. And so we feel that if we could combine the revenue model of subscriptions and sales of actual physical newspapers with the kind of public broadcasting donation model, that we can make a, a go of it. It's not such a crazy idea. After all, according to the Project for Excellence in Journalism, readership of newspapers and magazines hasn't declined nearly as fast as revenue has. The public still wants information. But the internet is thinning out the ad revenue newspapers traditionally relied on. The big question, Michael Stoll says, is how to reconnect the funding with the journalism. There's all this innovation going on on the ground. There are, you know, thousands of garage startups uh, in the nonprofit public media sphere, as well as for-profit ventures that think they can come up with a new business model. Uh, it is really unclear. It's, it's completely murky to everybody in the alternative press, in, in small startups online, as well as the, the, the mainstream commercial organizations, uh, where the money is going to come from to sustain the quantity and the quality of journalism that we're used to. Stoll isn't sure that printing a newspaper is the answer to all these questions. He calls this project an experiment. He says he plans to print the public press on a quarterly basis at first and then ramp up to monthly and weekly publication. Ultimately, Stoll says the project is a response to websites that aggregate and republish national and international stories. What's increasingly missing, he says, is in-depth local coverage. And if more of that isn't done, we're just going to be an echo chamber of uh, a million websites referring to each other but no original new information coming out. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.